Hey guys, welcome to episode three of the Voice Over Roadmap podcast. Today on the show, we have a guest co-host, Rodney Salisbury. Rodney is a voiceover talent, a coach, a screen actor, an author, a singer. Uh, he does it all. And you may have heard his voice on promos for shows like Dancing with the Stars, in trailers for movies like Dumb and Dumberer, Drumline, Friday After Next. Also in commercials for brands like Zatarans, Twix, Toyota, Verizon, Burger King, and uh, many, many more. Rodney's also done some animation work in the Spider-Man cartoon series, as well as the animated feature film, The Invincible Iron Man. And uh, like I mentioned, he is also a screen actor, so you may have seen him on the shows Monk, Without a Trace, The Bold and the Beautiful, Taxi, and uh, many others as well. Rodney's also an author, and he's written three voiceover-related books, You Can Bank on Your Voice, Step Up to the Mic, and Rodney Salisbury's Tongue Twisters and Vocal Warm-Ups, which me and Rodney will discuss a little bit as well. For our questions in this episode, we have our performance, our audio, and our business question. And for our performance question, we talk a little bit about tongue twisters. For our audio question, we talked a little bit about headphone technique. And uh, for our business question, we talked a little bit about getting work as a beginner voiceover talent with little to no experience. And if you'd like to submit a question for a future episode of the show, you can do that at voiceoverroadmap.com questions. And if you'd like to check out any more information about the things that we discuss in this episode, you can get all of the links to everything that we talk about and find more info in the show notes at voiceoverroadmap.com slash 003. And if you like the show and you like the episode, please feel free to leave a review on iTunes and subscribe. So here is episode three with Rodney Salisbury. Hey, Rodney, how's it going? I'm fine. How are you, Michael? I'm doing well. Thank you. Thanks so much for being here. It's my pleasure. So before we get into our questions from our audience, I'd like to just speak with you a little bit about your history in voiceover, how you got into it, and just, you know, a little bit about your background. So going back, how did you first get into voiceover and what was your background? Well, I started out acting in high school. Actually, I started out singing around the house. Uh, mm -hmm. My family was a musical family. My father was on the Motown label in Detroit. I grew up in Detroit. And so there was a lot of singing around my house, groups that my father was in. And uh, the last group was a group called the Elgins on the Motown label. And when I got into high school, I started doing plays. I was fortunate enough to have leading roles in all of my three years there in high school. So I was um, Tony in West Side Story. I was Sky Masterson in Guys and Dolls. And I was Billy Bigelow in Carousel. So I had a chance to really get my acting chops together, and those were all musicals, so I got my singing chops together. And then I went on to college and continued to be in theater. I was pearly victorious in the musical Pearly, and um, I finished my four years at college and ended up going on the road with a show called Your Arms Too Short to Box with God. And we toured all around the country and our final stop was Los Angeles. I always wanted to come here to be an actor and that's what I did. I got an agent and I started acting and I did things like um, Taxi and Hill Street Blues and MASH and just a bunch of great television shows. I was a guest star and then I um, had the pleasure of being on a soap opera called Capital and I was a contract player, so that was really exciting. And I did The Young and the Restless, and I also did just recently The Bold and the Beautiful. I spent um, a couple of seasons on that show, um, and I got nominated for two 
NAACP Image Awards for the role I played there of Anthony, again, singing and playing guitar. Anyway, along the way, people would always say to me, you have a great voice, you should get into voiceover. Right. And I didn't know what voiceovers were. So I found out and I made my first demo. And then I tried to get an agent and I ended up getting with the best agent in town. At that time, the agency was called ICM and it completely changed my life. I started getting all of these great commercials and I started doing movie trailers and it just was a wonderful career, a wonderful career that started out with a bang and continued to be that way for many, many years. Wow. So did acting, stage acting, and screen acting sort of take a backseat once you started doing voiceover work? I guess it took a little backseat, mm -hmm. no doubt about it. Um, the voiceover work really just started to dominate my life, and I became so successful that I wanted to write a book about it. So I wrote my first book, uh, You Can Bank on Your Voice, your guide to a successful career in voiceovers, because I wanted to tell the world about this wonderful profession, voiceover. Awesome. And so are there any specific highlights from your career as a voiceover talent, either specific jobs or just sort of milestone moments or achievements that stand out to you that, you know, you think really sort of gave you a big leap forward in terms of your success? Yes, I think if you can be fortunate enough to be the voice of campaigns. Mm -hmm. And that's that's what happened to me. Um, the first one was Alpo, and uh, that was a very successful campaign for me, the Alpo dog food. Mm -hmm. And then I got a thing called Twix, and yeah. Twix went on for about <laughs> nine years. And I said that famous line, need a moment? When you need a moment, chew it over with Twix. <laughs> that's great. <laughs> <laughs> and um, many commercials later, um, you can still go and, and see that on YouTube and mm -hmm. there are some favorites of mine and favorites of other people uh, from that particular thing. And then the next thing I got was Zatarans. Yep. And so I became the voice of Zatarans for many, many years. That voice was more of a character voice. I got to use the voice that I've used in cartoons. This dinner is a little flat. Why don't we jazz it up with Zatarans? Jazz yeah. it up with Zatarans. So uh, that character voice is another thing that made me popular. And the books. So those were the turning points in my career that got people to know me, that got people to want to study with me, to have me speak around the country, and got somebody like you to want to talk to me today. Yeah. No, that's, that's awesome. The, the Twix commercial and the Zatarans, when I hear you do that, I could even, I could just see the commercial again, you know, it just it takes you right back just hearing it. It's really great. Yes. Mm -hmm. um, so I also know that you have a very large Twitter following. Last I checked, I think it was somewhere close to 200,000. It's uh, getting up there. So do you find this to be uh, beneficial to your career as a voiceover talent? And do you have any tips for people who might also be looking to build a large social media following of their own, be it on you know Twitter or some other social media platform? I think social media is very important. Mm -hmm. It's really big these days. Uh, Instagram, Facebook. Yeah. I don't do it, but Snapchat, I understand, <laughs> I is something either. that's yeah. very valuable too. Uh, Twitter, huge. I believe that that is where it's going. I, I believe that social media is going to be even bigger than it is now. And I think that it's been proven that in all types of genres, from acting to singing to voiceover, having a large number of followers 
has proven to be advantageous. Mm -hmm. There have been major actors and actresses that have been up for a particular role, and the one that had the larger following, given the fact that the talent was sort of equal, ended up getting the job. Mm -hmm. And so... Um, you say to yourself, let's say um, you're doing a, a cartoon or you're, you're, you're about to represent a product and it comes down to a couple of talents who, again, are equal. The client says to himself, hey, if we use this particular talent, we will have, you talked about my thing being close to 200,000, right. we will have 200,000 people that, you know, have signed up with this guy. Mm -hmm. Okay. They're his followers. And we can get a nice percentage, and even if it's 25%, 50%, 30%, that many people will be looking at our product. So we already have an advantage now going with this particular talent in terms of getting it out there to the public because of uh, his following, okay? Right. So yes, it's important. And how have you built that? Um, you know, are there some steps, specific things that you've learned along the way that have you know, really given a big boost where you, you know, had a big jump in numbers or was it just sort of a slow and steady growth that, you know, you've been cultivating for years? How did that sort of come about? Well, it's a slow and steady growth. Mm -hmm. And it's also a matter of having some popularity, uh, having content, the fact that I have books. Right. Um, we haven't talked about music yet, but I have music. So you can buy my albums, you can buy my books, you can look at my blogs, there are so many things out there. So what I would encourage everybody to do is to come up with content, come up with a reason for someone to be interested in what you have to say. Also, for, for instance, on Twitter, you want to make sure that you're posting things that people can use. It can be a great quote. And, and don't just depend on quotes that might be out there already. Um, I tend to put things down that sometimes are happening in my life, okay? Mm -hmm. And those things tend to get the most likes. And it's not really um, a matter of looking for likes because a lot of times people will read what you put up, they will see what you put up, and they may not like it, but they did see it. You right. see what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. So the more um, uh, busy you are mm -hmm. and the more that you put up, Somebody said, if you throw enough up against the wall, something sticks. <laughs> yeah. So so what I would say is you do have to give it time. You do have to cultivate it. And you have to be honest. People like honesty. And that's what they respond to. Mm -hmm. And um, another thing I think you can do, too, is when people follow you, follow back. Right. Because that's important. You know, no one is above anybody. Um, it's really important to follow people back. And I think also consistency as well too, right? Like if you were to just post a bunch of stuff for a week or a couple of months and then just go silent, um, you know, someone who followed you might say, all right, well, I'm not really getting anything out of this guy anymore. I'm not really learning anything new. And maybe they unfollow or, you know, you just sort of fade off their radar. Um, do you, would you agree that it's also important to, you know, keep some level of consistency, not necessarily saying every single day, but, you know, you have to stay with it once you start posting content and, you know, engaging on these platforms. I agree with that, Michael. Mm -hmm. I certainly do agree with that. And people do depend on you. Yeah. And they do look for it every day or or, or often. Yeah, whatever okay. your consistency yeah, rate is. They yeah. really do. Uh, I, I get comments all the time about how people love my positive things that I have to say and that it gets them through the day. 
And I don't feel a responsibility. You know, I'm doing what what I want to do and what I like doing. But it's nice to know that there are people out there that appreciate it. Mm -hmm. Now, moving on to a little bit more VO specific question. Um, Is it correct that you've done some looping and ADR work? Yes, definitely. Mm -hmm. Um, Now, this to me um, seems like a, you know, sort of smaller niche of the overall VO industry. Um, It's not something that you really see a ton of auditions posted for on things like casting sites or um, even really through agents. You know, I don't really see even from my agents a ton of projects looking for this kind of work. So my question would be, how did you originally start getting into this specific niche of voiceover? Well, that goes way back. And you're right. It's a real inside kind of Mm -hmm. thing. It's one of those who you know, do you know, loop coordinators is what we call them. And uh, if you do happen to know one, hopefully you can get one to let you come in and observe first. And, And then hopefully they will give you a chance to do it. It's very lucrative. You know, it's a union thing most of the time. Mm -hmm. And um, residuals are really, really nice. Uh, Foreign residuals, residuals forever. I mean, I still get checks for things I did 20 years ago, uh, (laughs) over 20 years ago. And so it's a great training station for voiceover uh, because you have to ad lib if it's a crowd scene. Mm-hmm. And the crowd is a baseball at a baseball game. Well, you have to be able to holler out things that relate to that. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Or if you're walking down a city street and you, you have the beeps, you're in the studio and on the imaginary fourth beep is when the, we speak. So it's beep, beep, beep. And then, boom, we start talking. Well, if you're in New York and you're in the streets, you start talking about street kinds of things. Mm -hmm. And you can't be too important because you don't want to distract from uh, the main things in the scene, okay? If you're in a hospital and you're a bunch of doctors and nurses, you have to be specific with ad-libs to the place that you are. As far as getting the work, again, I would check in things like uh, voiceover uh, resource guide, and, and um, there are looping loop group coordinators in that book. And I would try to, you know, get in touch with them via email mm-hmm. and, and see if they would let you send them your picture and resume. Now, this is something that is sort of Los Angeles and New York exclusive. Right. OK, so you would have to live that's in good, one of yeah. those areas. But that's not to say that in a place like Atlanta you know, where you've got like Tyler Perry there making those movies. Mm-hmm. And and there are so many people are doing their own thing now that you may have a friend that's doing a movie or you may be able to catch some looping opportunities in some other parts of the country. But you're right. There is no agent. There is no uh, uh, casting online mm-hmm. for ADR. Yeah. But ADR is it. a great, great profession. And I did it for many, many years and I did many, many shows and uh, it's a lot of fun. And if you were to get in touch with, um, you know, one of these coordinators or somebody who's, you know, casting or finding people for these types of projects, do you think that they would expect you to have some sort of looping ADR demo reel? Or do you think you could just send them, you know, your commercial demo or what would be sort of a good way to present yourself to them if you've never done this kind of work before and you're just kind of, you know, trying to get your foot in the door? Well, I think they will let you know what they're looking for. Mm -hmm. I know that uh, a resume is important um, to see what you've done in the past. Uh, I don't know if they're looking for demos. I think you would have to ask. 
Sure. But yeah. but the beauty of having a place to go where you can find where you can find ADR coordinators listed is is a great thing. Yeah. And, and that's why I said the the voiceover resource guide is uh, so important. And you know you can go to www.voiceoverresourceguide.com and uh, start dealing on their website and mm-hmm. try to get this book. I'm looking at this magazine now, this little book here, and I call it like the voiceover bible. I keep one in my glove compartment, uh, for instance, and uh, it has addresses of all the studios around town. Yeah. And anything that I might be looking for, I can find here. Teachers list themselves in here, teachers that teach voiceover. Uh, You've got recording studios. You've got L.A. casting services that I'm looking at here. Uh, Session fees, union session fees, and um, they even get into non-union rates. Uh, so it's um, it's a great thing. Uh, to yeah, get. it's a great resource. No, I'll put a link in the show notes as well. Um, that uh-huh. is a great resource. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, so I want to talk a little bit about your books. You have three voiceover books um, as well as an upcoming workshop. So you have three voiceover books. Uh, you can bank on your voice, step up to the mic and Rodney Salisbury's tongue twisters and vocal warm ups. Can you speak to a little bit about what's different between each one of those books and who each one of those three books is for? Okay. Well, the first book, You Can Bank on Your Voice, is for everybody mm-hmm. because th- that is a fact. You can bank on your voice. And I told you I wrote that book because I was excited about the business and it got a great response. And people said not only did they learn how to do voiceovers, but they were motivated by its positivity. Mm-hmm. So the next book I wrote was Step Up to the Mic, A Positive Approach to Succeeding in Voiceovers. And uh, I went to a few of my friends, uh, the late Don LaFontaine, Nancy Cartwright, uh, Rob Paulson, and uh, Frank Welker, and asked them to contribute to a section in the book called A Positive Approach to, you know, uh, doing voiceovers. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to know what a positive uh, attitude did for them in their careers. So each one of them gave me a couple of paragraphs on how being positive really helped them. And the book transcended voiceover and went into the workplace of all different types of work. And it became a successful book, not just in the voiceover community, but everywhere, because I talk about being positive in the workplace. The third book, Rodney Salisbury's Tongue Twisters and Vocal Warmups came about because I became known for my tongue twisters. When I teach around the country, instead of people coming up to me and extending their hand and saying, hello, Rodney, they extend their hand and say things like, why in the world would a well want water? Will a well want water when a well runs dry? Why in the world would a wet well want wet water? Will a wet well want wet water when a wet well runs dry? And what happens is... That's how they say hello to me. Yeah. Properly press the purple and black pleated plaid pants you own. Prepare to put your purple and black pleated plaid pants on. And, and that's how we say hello. So I thought, let me come up with a book that really gets into tongue twisters and vocal warm-ups and gets into uh, vocal care. Okay. Mm-hmm. And this, to date, it was, you can bank on your voice, but now Rodney Salisbury's Tongue Twisters and Vocal Warm-Ups is the biggest book that I have ever written. It's highly successful. Um, And it's for everybody. It's for singers. It's for speakers. It's for actors. It's Mm. for voiceover artists. It it hits a whole bunch of people. Yeah. All right. So uh, each book is for everybody, to be honest with you. Now, 
the first book, of course, is dated in terms of how long things are allowed to last. A sure. demo now yeah. is like 60 seconds, sometimes a mm-hmm. little less. Um, a promo demo is a little longer. A narration demo is even longer. In my book, I talk about a demo being like two minutes, you know, because this book was written in 1994. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry, 2004. So, so, so the bottom line is you have to understand that the general principles are still around and alive today, and you can bank on your voice, but some of the uh, prices and what things cost are different. Mm-hmm. But uh, I, the book is still valuable in its generality. Uh, step up to the mic will always be good because of the fact that you need to be positive in the workplace. And this new book will last to the the end of time <laughs> because it's just uh, vocal warm-ups. All right? Yeah. And uh, if people want to check those out, where can they get them? You can get them on Amazon, Amazon Amazon.com. You can get them on my website at RodneySalisbury.com. You can get them at Barnes & Noble, all over the place. Uh, If you walk into a Barnes & Noble and and it's not there, you can just go up to the front desk and they'll order it for you. Uh, It's available in Kindle. It's available as an audio book. And this particular book, Tongue Twisters and Vocal Warmups, has a PDF uh, accompaniment because it's you know you have these tongue twisters that you have to do yeah so you can download that when you buy the audiobook and uh, all of these things are just doing very well and these are the kinds of things that makes the social media grow and that's what i'm telling you you just want to have content you right. want to have things right. to offer people yeah absolutely and uh yeah last thing before we get into our audience questions uh, I know that you also have an upcoming VO intensive workshop uh, in Seattle. I believe the date is September the 23rd, 2017. Correct me if I'm wrong. Well, uh, unfortunately, uh, we had to cancel that. Oh, okay. But, but stay tuned because um, I will be coming to Seattle um, later on, probably early next year. For the same type of workshop or for a different event? It'll be the same kind of workshop. Okay. Yes. And what kind of stuff do you do in that workshop? What kind of things do you cover? Well, we do it all. We cover it all. We do voiceover um, in terms of genre. We do commercial, narration, uh, promo, trailer. Mm -hmm. I I hit it all, but it's my interpretation of it, my techniques, and um, what I bring to the table. So would you say it's more uh, performance-focused as opposed to like uh, business or audio recording-focused? No, I cover all of that. You do that as well? Okay, great. I hit it all. Yeah, no doubt about it. The business side of it, the, the technique of it the interpretation of it, all of it. Awesome. Great. Mm -hmm. Um, All right, yeah, so now let's move over to our audience questions. So our first question is going to be a performance question, and it comes from Steve, who asks, are tongue twisters as a vocal warm-up a waste of time? So I'm going to let you take the lead on this one, Rodney, because it seems to be here in your wheelhouse. So what do you think? Mm -hmm. No, it's not a waste of time at all. So many times we think that we can just start talking. Even before I got together with you today, I did my vocal warm-ups. Now, this morning, I was at the gym. I was on the treadmill and warming my body up and exercising. But you also have to warm up your vocal cords. I mean, these are muscles, okay? The the, the vocals are muscles. And so you need to strengthen them, and you need to warm them up so your voice is not cracking. And, uh, I mean, think about today. You know, before we got started, we we did a test to make sure that the audio was – Yep. being was going down. Yeah, so you always right. have to prepare. So tongue twisters could never be a waste of time. Also in my book, Tongue Twisters and Vocal Warm-Ups, I have specific 
warm-ups for different genres. A specific warm-up for a promo, a specific warm-up for a trailer, a specific warm-up for a speech, okay? Mm-hmm. So as for singing. And so that's sort of uh, unique. You don't find a whole lot of books out there like that. Yeah. And that's what makes this one different. Uh, so no, vocal warm-ups are very, very important because when you're watching basketball, before the game starts, you see the pros out there stretching, okay? And uh, when you see tennis players getting ready, they're, they're opponents, right? You got two people on either side of the tennis court that are going to be trying to beat each other. But they have the courtesy before they get into the actual match of warming up together, hitting a few balls, okay? Um, that's how important a warm-up is, that you would take the chance in a tennis, tennis match of showing your opponent how you hit a ball. Maybe they'll hit you a backhand in that warm-up. Maybe they'll hit you a drop shot, something to see how you uh, hit that and how you might hit it when the actual match starts. They're willing to risk all of that in the name of a warm-up, and we have to do the same with our voices. So, yes, tongue twisters are very, very important. Yeah, I agree. I agree. You never really know what you're going to come across when you're doing auditions or a project. You know, you can cold read a script and, and practice it and look at it in advance. But um, just having that sort of experience and just even the way you were rattling off those tongue twisters before. I mean, I need to, I think, step up my game a little bit in that just because I will fumble over words and phrases. Um, you know, if there's a lot of words that have a similar consonant sound at the beginning or something like that. Uh, just having that practice and that, you know, that flexibility to be able to cover that in your back pocket, I think, is a huge benefit and advantage for voice talent. So, well, I, I love I love everything you just said. It's so yeah. true. Yeah. I mean, think about the medical copy that you may have to read. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, I get into blended sounds in my book. I get into punctuation. You know, I get into consonants and and all these different things that come up in copy. If you practice, when you get to these actual uh, pieces of copy that might be hard for the average actor, you're ahead of the game exactly. because you warmed up. Exactly. LeBron James is not LeBron James. Tom Brady is not Tom Brady. Larry Bird wasn't Larry Bird. Magic Johnson wasn't Magic Johnson because they didn't practice. They practice harder than everyone else. Mm-hmm. All right? Yeah, no, totally agree. Yes. Yeah, so to answer Steve's question, uh, are they a waste of time? No, <laughs> absolutely not. <laughs> not at all. No. Um, okay. So yeah, moving on to our audio question, which this week comes from Eric. Eric asks, is it better to record with headphones on, off, or even one ear on and one ear off? Uh, what do you think, Ronnie? Do you have a preference between those? Well, I do think it's a uh, personal preference. So mm-hmm. when you asked me if I had one, that was great. Let me say this. I started out in life in terms of the microphone uh, as a singer and as a voiceover artist, having one on and one off. And through a lot of years, I thought that that was the way to go. It reminds me of um, voiceover where I always insisted that you stand up because I believe that voiceover is like singing and everything that you do when you sing, you do the same thing when you do voiceovers and we can breathe and work with the diaphragm and all of that better standing up right okay well as the years went by and i got to be more of a pro the fact of the matter is yes it's probably better standing up but some people can't stand up and have to sit down and you can do very well sitting down too okay (laughs) uh as long as you're using the proper technique uh, using your diaphragm letting the voice come out of the mask as opposed to uh being caught back in your throat Mm -hmm. Um, and so when it comes to these headphones, uh, 
I must say that now, like right now, I have my headphones, both of them on, and I'm fine. So it really has to do with what you prefer. Now, keep this in mind. If you keep one off and you're getting a different type of feel in one ear due to the fact that only one ear has the phone on, you could be off time. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. No, you, 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 could be, you could be off because let's say in the right ear that you have the phone on, is the right time. Let's say you're speaking to music. If you're coming in between, let's say you're doing a, a promo and you got the three beeps out the gate and now you're doing the promo. You've only got on one headphone. And um, every time the SOT goes off is when you have to come in again, right? Yeah. Well, if the SOT is in your ears, SOT is sound on tape. That's what's going on. Every, if, if you hear that in your ear with your earphone on and then you've got one without it, and then you've got your voice going, they may not be in sync, all right? Yeah. So I think it's important to learn how to work with two, with everything on. Uh, but I do understand when people do the one, and I used to do it, but now I think it's just personal preference, and I prefer to have them both on. I want to hear everything that's going on at the same time. <laughs> yeah. No, I totally agree. Um. And the question was phrased as, is it better? I, you know, I don't think any of them is better. Like, like you said, it's, you know, it's all personal preference. I think mm -hmm. if you're, you know, a newer voiceover talent and maybe you've, or even if you are a more experienced talent and you've always done things one way, I, mm -hmm. you know, I think it couldn't hurt just to try, try some other options and just, you know, cause you never know if you're in a different situation, if you have to travel to a studio and they want you to do something a certain way, or if you're recording with other actors, um, you know, you just, you want to be prepared, I think, for any situation you might find yourself in. Um, I agree. Yeah, I was thinking about this question too, and I realized that I have, in different situations, done all three of those. Um, my default is kind of no headphones whatsoever when I'm just recording in my home studio by myself. Um, and that's not because somebody told me to do it that way or anything. It's really just a matter of, well, I started doing it that way and it worked and I never even really thought to change it. So, and I got comfortable doing things that way. So I would always record with headphones off. Um, if I'm traveling to a studio to record in studio, I'll, they'll give me a pair of headphones and I'll put them on. Um, and then sometimes when I'm doing live directed sessions for my home studio, I'll like to do one ear on and one ear off only because in my home studio, I'm used to not wearing headphones. So I like to mm. kind of give myself a little bit of that by having one of them off. And obviously I need at least one of them on so I could hear the client when they're giving me direction. No so, doubt about it. Yeah. Mm -hmm, so I um, yeah, I think it's, I think it's all personal preference. And uh, yeah, you know, if, if you want to experiment and see what works best for you, I think that would be a great thing to do. I agree. But uh, yeah, okay. So moving on to our final question, which is our business question. Teresa asks, how does a beginner VO talent get work when it seems like many production companies and businesses that I reach out to are looking for experienced talent? From my experience, it seems like a demo means nothing without work experience. Uh, hmm. yeah, so what's your take on that, Rodney? Well, I don't agree with the fact that a demo means nothing because mm -hmm, the demo is like a card that you would hand out if you were at a function at a party and you wanted to hand someone your card so they could get in touch with you later and you take their card. The demo lets people know what you can do and the demo represents what you would like to do more of. Okay. Yeah. So if you do a commercial demo, make sure that you're doing products that you like, because I think that we speak better about things that we like. Make sure that you have a consultation with 
whomever it is that is producing your demo and that you discuss things like material and what you're going to put on it. And hopefully um, they can coach you and do some things before you actually start recording. So the demo is very important because now the client can hear how you sound and how you might sound on their product. So that's really important. In terms of getting work, we have a lot of different things out there. We have uh, pay to play. Uh, some people think that that is really not a good thing. And some people think it's great. So that gets back to that preference thing and how it works for you. Right. Now, I happen to be a union man and I believe, you know, totally in, in, in the union and they can fight for you. And um, there's uh, different things that you get in terms of your health benefits and so forth after you've mm -hmm. been with them for a whole lot of years. OK, but um, there are a lot of people who have been very successful doing non-union, too. So this person should know that there are a lot of opportunities out there. The other thing that you need to do is work hard on your own. We can't depend on other people. No one is going to care more about you than you. You have to understand that whoever represents you, they represent other people, too. So they have a big group of people that they have to service. Yeah, so absolutely. it's hard for them to uh, service one individual more than another. So it's up to you to do your due diligence and get out there and work hard, too. I don't think it makes a difference whether or not you're a novice or pro other than the pro is probably better. OK, yeah, yeah. so what so what you need to do is just be the best that you can be in all of this novice talk. I mean, who even has to know that you are a novice? Exactly. Yep. You know, I mean, who's going around talking about a novice? I've got a demo here that has these great spots that I worked on, that my producer worked on. We put the best 60 seconds of me on this presentation. And from the beginning to the end, it's popping. The attention span of anyone listening will never wane because the producer has made sure that my demo pops. Yeah. Okay. And, and so if you've got all of that, I don't want to hear anything about this novice thing. You know, it's, it's all about that demo and your hustle and your representation. That's what it's all about. Mm -hmm. No, I totally agree. And I think this idea is something that a lot of people, you know, it's a thought that goes through a lot of people's mind when they start out. I definitely, I remember when I was, you know, first starting, I was looking at people's profiles on casting sites and their websites of other more experienced talent and being like, wow, you know, if I'm going to audition for a project and so is this guy, you know, how am I going to get it? Look at, look at his client list. Look at, you know, how many years he's been doing it and everything. But then, you know, the realization that, well, you know, when the person casting this project is listening to all the auditions that come in. They're going to hear an audition that they like and that they feel is right for the project. And honestly, if they're hearing that and they're like, hey, this guy's great. Uh, you know, he's the voice we want. His audio sounds great. And then they look at your, you know, how long you've been doing it. And it's only been a few months or a year or whatever. That's not going to make them not hire you if you're the perfect person for the job and you gave a great read. And, um, you know, and if everything else sounds good, your demos are good and everything. So I think the focus really should be not so much on, well, look how much more experienced this guy is than me. I'm just starting out. And just get your performance skills and your ability as a talent, you know, higher and higher and higher and just keep improving there. And then to, in today's world as well, I think your audio quality is also important too. Um, if, you know, you're going to be recording stuff from home. Not to say that it has to be, you know, stellar, amazing, but it's got, it's got to be competitive. It can't sound like you recorded something on a cell phone or something like that. Mm -hmm. But mm -hmm. um, yeah, no, if you have good audio quality and, you know, your talent and your skill and ability and your 
uh, your ability to interpret copy and to give a good performance is there, then, you know, I think you can start booking work. And then the experience comes. And that's, I love the way that you phrase it. You know, who cares if you're a novice or, you know, it, it, that stuff doesn't really matter if everything else is where it should be. Not at all. It matters how good you are, mm-hmm. how well you have perfected the craft. Absolutely. And you're going to get better. And you just have to really learn your craft. That's, that's the bottom line. And that's why it's important to study, to get great coaches. Uh, if you noticed, like Tiger Woods, all of these folks who went on to be very successful always had trainers. They always had coaches. Mm-hmm. They, they have people to take a peek, take a look, see it with another eye. Yep. Look at me and tell me how I can improve. It's very important. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much, Rodney, for uh, being here, for helping answering these questions. I'm sure the people who submitted them are very grateful as well. And uh, yeah, this was a lot of fun, and I uh, really appreciate you coming here. Michael, I had a ball, and I appreciate you uh, reaching out. I'd like to um, let everyone know that they can get to me by going to RodneySalsbury.com. That's R-O-D-N-E-Y-S-A-U-L-S-B-E-R-R-Y. My books are there. Also, I have a thing called the Consultants Club. When I talk about coaching, I coach people, and many of my students are very successful. Uh, This is a subscription club, and just go to my website, you'll see it, Consultants Club, and uh, we work together monthly if you join that club. I send you scripts, I send you things that you want to work on via email, and we work for 30 minutes a month. I've had people that that have been with me for four years now, four years that uh, this club has been in existence. And uh, like I said, we've had great success. So check out the Consultants Club. Awesome. Yeah. And I will put links to all of this in the show notes. So to Rodney's books, uh, Consultants Club, his website, everything Rodney Salisbury will be in the show notes for you guys to uh, check out. And uh, yeah, anything else, Rodney, to close out? Just everyone hang in there and do the best that you can and be the best that you can be. And I want you to go away with this. I have never, ever seen a hard worker not be successful. Hard work breeds success. No matter what the profession, if you work hard, you will be successful. Yeah, that's great. Absolutely agree. Well, thank you again, Rodney, so much. This is really fun. Appreciate it. Thank you, Michael. All right. Thank you guys so much for listening. Hope you enjoyed that episode. And thank you again so much to Rodney for being on the show. If you'd like more information on Rodney's books or anything else that me and him discussed on the show, you can find that information and links in the show notes, which you can get at voiceoverroadmap.com slash 003. You can also submit a question for a future episode of the show if you'd like at voiceoverroadmap.com slash questions. If you like the show and you like the episode, uh, please feel free to submit a review and subscribe on iTunes. And you can also check out the show on YouTube and on the Voice Over Roadmap website at voiceoverroadmap.com. Thank you guys again so much for listening, and we'll see you in episode four.